Two Cents with MBA. I'm Lori Bruce, Communications Director for the Missouri Bankers Association. In this episode, we discuss the 2023 state legislative session with MBA's government relations team, Senior Vice President David Kent and Vice President Emily Lewis. David and Emily highlight MBA priority bills that were passed by the Missouri General Assembly and the vital role that MBA member banks played during this legislative session. Um, I want to thank David Kent and Emily Lewis with MBA's GR team for joining us today for our two cents with MBA. David and Emily, welcome. Thank you so much for having us, Lori. We really appreciate it. Okay, session is now over. What do you want to share with our audience today about this past session? Um, Some of the highlights from this year and what bankers can expect to see going to Governor Parsons' desk. Sure. Yeah, no, thank you very much for the opportunity, Lori. Uh, We had a tremendously successful uh, legislative session uh, this year. We passed pretty much all of our priority legislative package, which includes the penalty provision for stealing or destroying an ATM machine. Uh, We also passed legislation to clarify current credit card lending laws uh, to to make sure we did have a, a few members that were involved um, in in a lawsuit relating to this uh, credit card lending statute. Uh, And we were able to clarify that to help to uh, certainly prevent any future lawsuits to any of our members in the future. So we're very happy about about that bill. Um, We also assisted the Division of Finance in their efforts with updating and reforming the banking statute. Uh, You may remember, everyone listening may remember, this was a bill that we had uh, last year that unfortunately uh, didn't get across the finish line. So very thankful and very happy to help the Division of Finance get their priority legislation out of the way. Uh, and just some other odds and ends that they're that heading to the governor's desk. There's a, a bill that will allow Department of Health and Senior Services to share licensee information of marijuana-related businesses Uh, with banks. So banks that choose to provide services to uh, the marijuana industry, this will certainly be helpful in your efforts to to vet uh, marijuana businesses and and do all the things that you need to do to jump through the hoops of the federal government. Um, And then a couple of new things that that we were supportive of and got across the finish line. There's a beginning farmers tax incentive to help the beginning farmers to uh, purchase farmland and ag land. I know that's a really important issue uh, across the state. Um, and so this will just certainly um, help the, the farmers that are getting ready to retire or getting out of the business to sell that farmland to a beginning farmer. Um, and then a, a grant for businesses to uh, allow their employees to upscale their credentials. Uh, And this is a wide ranging bill that will not only just impact banks, but a lot of other businesses as well. Um, You know, certainly we want to make sure that our employees and our staff are trained to the best of their ability. And this will certainly help provide some incentive. Uh, The grant money will help provide some incentive to to do just that. So those are kind of a few of the things that uh, are heading to the governor's desk. And and like I said, we're we're very uh, appreciative of the legislative efforts. Certainly, we need to thank our bill sponsors as well as leadership for getting helping us get those across the finish line. Uh, Senator Justin Brown was filed the uh, ATM uh, smash and grab bill. Senator Sandy Crawford had our credit card lending bill as well as the Division of Finance bill. Um, and then Representative Dane Deal, who's a freshman, uh, had the beginning farmers tax credit. 
And uh, just for our listeners, he is going to be a, a phenomenal legislator. He's, he's just a freshman this year and got a huge piece of legislation across the finish line. Um, the information sharing for the marijuana-related businesses, Senator Steve Roberts, a Democrat out of St. Louis, filed that bill over in the Senate. And then, um, and then Senate bill, or excuse me, Chad Perkins uh, filed the House bill. Um, over on the, the House chamber. So lots of thanks to go around and congratulations uh, to go around, certainly from, from our end. Well, David, thank you so much for sharing that. There are a couple of ones I just kind of want to highlight maybe for our members and the, anyone who's listening to this podcast who may not know, the ATM smash and grab. That sounds like something you might do like in a video game or something, but why was it important that we have this um, bill get passed? Can you kind of give a little bit brief history about this and why it was important for us to get this bill um, passed here in Missouri? Yeah, so this is actually something that one of our members came to us with um, who had a problem with several of her bank's ATM machines uh, had been destroyed in an effort to steal the the cash casings that were inside. And for anyone that, you know, I'm sure everyone on this call probably knows what a ATM smash and grab crime is, but but essentially it's you take a piece of heavy equipment, tie a chain around it and, and rip the ATM machine out. Uh, or another example, I've seen people take propane tanks and <laughs> blow the propane tanks up to get that ATM machine out from underneath its uh, of its casing. So um, we know that ATM machines now are incredibly hard to come by. Uh, they're incredibly expensive. So I think anything that we can do to prevent potential ATM thefts or ATM smashing crimes in the future, uh, we certainly wanted to pursue and we certainly wanted to see it get passed and um, and and uh, we're glad to see that it's heading to the governor's desk. So with this ATM smash and grab bill now, um, can customers, they might see something then when they go to their ATM the next time that if this is now a felony c- crime, correct? Yeah, we certainly hope so. Of course, you know, we've got to get through uh, the governor's signature. We don't anticipate there being any problems with that. And then it'll take effect August 28th. Uh, we'd love to see our banks and our members to um, help us with a a PR campaign to ensure that uh, any potential person or individual or a group of individuals that uh, is wanting to destroy an ATM machine uh, in order to steal the, the cash casings certainly will will have second thoughts about doing that once they learn that's a very serious felony penalty provision that comes with it. Okay, so the tax incentives for beginning farmers, that is a great piece of legislation that we were able to get to the governor's desk this year. Can you tell our banks a little bit about this? Because they may have customers coming into the bank asking them about this tax incentive. Sure. This is an incentive for a seller to receive a tax deduction on uh, land they sell to a newer beginning farmer uh, just to kind of encourage them to pass that land along to someone who wants to get started in the business. We're hopeful this is uh, a a good way to help jumpstart new farmers and um, support our ag and rural communities. Another piece of legislation that's headed to Governor Parsons' desk is one that banks may not realize that they also can participate in, and that is the grants that businesses can receive so their employees can get um, more credentialing, get more skills. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and what banks can expect from something out of that bill? 
Yeah, they call it uh, they call it upskilling. It is a grant program for businesses who uh, provide training and credentialing programs for their employees or for for potential employees. Um, so if if you have uh, programs offered to to your folks that qualify for this, the the business, uh, whether that's the bank or maybe one of your commercial customers, uh, can pr- can receive uh, grant funding from the state f- for those programs if they qualify. So with this grant program, I know obviously um, Governor Parson has to sign the bill first in order for it to become effective, but can you tell me who will be um, monitoring the program and where banks can expect to hear details about this grant program? Assuming the bill is signed, the the grant program will be run through the Department of Economic Development and employers can apply for grants to cover the cost of training and uh, credentialing current employees or new hires. Uh, to increase their skill level. So, David, Emily, very successful in getting some legislation passed this year. Unfortunately, there were some bills that we were not able to get to the governor's desk. Um, Can you talk a little bit about those bills? Yeah, the big one that stands out, Lori, is the uh, cap increase to the Mobux program. I know a lot of our banks, particularly now with the high interest rate environment, are utilizing uh, Mobux uh, for their customers. And and in fact, to the extent that the cap was going to need to be increased or they were going to run out of money. And and unfortunately, uh, we were not unsuccessful in getting that through the legislative process. So uh, you may or may not have seen uh, an action alert come through from our, our president, CEO, Jackson Hathaway. Um, the, the program as it stands is not accepting applications at this point moving forward, uh, probably until sometime in this fall. Um, but certainly this is something, uh, this cap increase, something we were going to pursue very strongly next legislative session. Uh, and just for the benefit of our, of our listeners, that cap was going to go from $800 million where it currently sits to a $1 billion. Uh, we, all, we may need to consider even increasing it more past that $1 billion mark. Um, but it wasn't certainly the, the issue at hand. Uh, there was no uh, opposition to the bill, uh, just kind of through the machinations of the legislature. Uh, the, the bill kind of got a late start. Uh, I think it was one of the last bills to be filed before the bill filing deadline. Uh, and then from that point, it, uh, it just had a difficult path, particularly over on the, on the Senate side. Um, so we were hopeful that we were going to be able to get that passed. We had it in position to at least have some consideration. Um, but unfortunately, the uh, waning sort of last week and a half or two weeks of, of Senate, uh, when they kind of fizzled out, it just uh, didn't allow for any movement on not just the Mobux bill, but on a lot of other bills as well. Well, David, that kind of leads me to my second question. So Comparing this session, the 2023 state legislative session, compared to 2022, what are your thoughts about how, in terms of the banking community and also just overall, um, how the environment operated this year? Yeah, that's a great question. I think coming into the legislative session amongst the lobbying corps, no one really knew what to expect. Uh, Certainly, the 2022 legislative session uh, was was just absolutely disappointing. Uh, very little got done, and that was mainly because of the Senate and the infighting. You may remember the redistricting maps uh, had to be passed in 2022. 
Um, we were, I believe, the last state to actually pass the redistricting maps. Uh, if that's any indication of just how slow things moved last legislative session. You know, this year uh, they moved legislation early um, and they moved a lot of legislation, which which was good for us, particularly over in the Senate bills moving over to the House. It gave us an opportunity to get uh, some things attached to other bills moving that ultimately ended up getting done. Uh, you know, and I think a lot of the credit, the, uh, the sort of the functioning of the Senate, at least for the most of the year, uh, really has to um, be, a, it, it's really on Senator, Senator Cindy O'Loughlin, uh, the floor leader. She did a, just a remarkable and phenomenal job of getting the Republican caucus on the same page for most of the legislative session. Uh, they, you know, there were times where things started to break down and she would either recess legislative session or somehow pull the uh, the two or three folks that were fighting amongst each other and pull them off the floor and, and have a very stern talk with them. And, and they would come back to the Senate chamber and things would start functioning again. So, you know, she did a, a remarkable job. And, and, you know, unfortunately, just sort of that last week and a half over in the Senate, things just really broke down and uh, prevented, um, you know, over issues that that just really didn't have a chance to pass. And then and then certain senators would start to filibuster to the point where they were reading books on the floor. And that's never a positive development, particularly when four times become four time becomes incredibly valuable that uh, that last part of the legislative session. So, you know, kudos to the floor leader, Cindy O'Laughlin, obviously pro Tim, Caleb Rowden. Um, he's on his his uh, last year, I believe, next legislative session. So he's obviously been there and, and was floor leader last year. But but those two worked really well together. And, um, you know, I think it it we'll, we'll kind of see how it votes for next year. We, we hope that that uh, the senators can come back and the hard feelings are gone and they can start moving things again. But next year is an election year, too. So <laughs> we shall see to be determined. Well, David, you mentioned kudos, but I think we also need to give a shout out and huge kudos to our member banks, um, those who came to Jefferson City this year and those who talked to their lawmakers back home. Absolutely. We had a great group of bankers come see us in the Capitol this year. We had about 150 uh, individual bankers come to visit us and uh, spend time with their legislators. Uh, getting to know freshman legislators and catching up with those they already have relationships with. Uh, and and we, we can't overstate how important it is to have bankers in the building throughout the session and uh, helping educate their lawmakers on these issues that, that impact them and the communities they serve. Well, and Emily, I would add, too, and you can um, expand on this, that it just doesn't end because session's over with. Those talks don't stop anymore, that bank bankers, if they see their state senator, if they see their state rep out in their districts, in their hometowns, that they should go talk to them about some of the legislation, about the stuff that did pass and the stuff that didn't pass. Absolutely. Um, you know, being a legislator is, is supposedly a part time job, but I think all the legislators will tell you that's not really accurate. Uh, we would really encourage you to continue um, getting to know your state representatives, state senators, if you already know them, reach out and try to visit with them over the interim, invite them to the bank, uh, you know, keep talking about the Mobux cap. If they're supportive of our industry, tell them thank you. Uh, just really anything you can do to help show them uh, the, the role you play in your community and why some of these issues are so important to you. 
Well, now that the bills have been passed, where they're awaiting um, Governor Parson's signature, can you two tell us some dates just to kind of keep in mind, such as um, the deadline for bills to be passed, when they would become effective, and um, even to the um, upcoming veto session later this fall? Yeah, Lori, the governor has until mid-July to sign veto or let legislation go into effect without his signature. So, of course, we'll be uh, in communication with him, uh, sharing the the various reasons why we support the bills that we do that have passed and request his signature. Uh, Then uh, bills that have been passed will go into effect on August 28th. Uh, unless there's another specific effective date in the legislation. And the annual veto session is scheduled for September 13th. And for anyone listening today, if you want to know more about these bills, such as when Governor Parson may be signing them, um, some different things about the bills, um, please make certain that you're following our following us on social media. We'll be posting this information on our Twitter and LinkedIn channels. And then we'll also be publishing it, too, in um, our weekly newsletter, the Missouri Banker Update that is sent out um, towards the end of the week um, during whilst when session is not going on. Any state legislative news will be shared in that um, weekly newsletter. David, Emily, is there anything else you would like to add about this legislative session? Just a quick plug. Uh, These laws affect you, produced by our our general counsel, Keith Thornburg, uh, will be made available. Usually it's right around the time bills become effective. So about August 28th or very shortly thereafter. Uh, So be please be on the lookout for that. That if you do not uh, receive that Please let us know because it it outlines he does our Keith does a phenomenal job. He outlines all the bills that have passed that may have some type of an impact to the banking industry or financial services industry and puts it all into one document with reasons why you may or may not care uh, about that particular piece of legislation. So I certainly want to give a plug out to um, Keith because he does a phenomenal job on that document. He certainly does. And we will notify our members through our weekly newsletter, the Missouri Banker Update, of when that is available to you. David, Emily, thank you very so much for your time today and look forward to hearing more from you um, about the next year's General Assembly. Thanks, Thanks, Lori.